Welcome to this week's SaaS Revolution show. I'm your host, Alex Huma, and I'm joined by Jason Reichel, CEO and co-founder of GoNimbly, which is a revenue operations company that enables SaaS companies to achieve their business goals. On this week's episode, we find out what revenue operations is, when is the inflection point for a SaaS company where RevOps becomes necessary, and how to line your organization around the customer. Before we learn from Jason about how RevOps can help your SaaS business grow, a reminder that SaaStock's final event of the year sees us in Sydney on the 3rd and the 4th of December, where we're bringing together Australia and New Zealand SaaS community for a day of workshops, content, and networking. We have speakers from Salesforce Ventures, Zero, Time Doctor, Zora, Asana, Intercom, Yellowfin, HubSpot, and many more. If you're in Australia and New Zealand, and you want traction, growth, or scale for your SaaS, then sas.australasia will be the place to be. Find out more and book your tickets at sas.com forward slash Australasia. Now on with the show. Welcome to the SaaS Revolution show. Jason Reichel, uh, CEO and co-founder of GoNimbly. Welcome, Jason. Hey, how are you? Two months, I think, since we met at SAS.West Coast, right? It's been a crazy two months for you too, I'm guessing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've we've had the the, the SaaS stock uh, or our flagship event in in Dublin one month after the uh, uh, the West Coast event. Uh, that went really well. A little bit of downtime, but back into planning SaaS stock Australasia. Uh, lots of travel. Uh, how about yourself? We've just been growing like crazy. So I did the SaaS stock event, um, and then after that, we just really hit an explosion. I think people are playing their uh, you know twenty twenty. And they're they're needing some support from a company like GoNimbly. Any correlation? You growing like oh, crazy yeah. since SaaS. Absolutely. Thank you, SaaS Stock. Without SaaS yeah. Stock, I mean, for anyone that's thinking about being uh, being uh, part of SaaS Stock, without SaaS Stock, we would be nothing. <laughs> All right, good stuff. <laughs> Tell us for those that haven't heard of you before, Jason. Sure, GoNimbly is a RevOps company, um, and we work primarily with SaaS companies by providing them uh, executional roadmaps based on the RevOps framework that we've developed uh, over the last three years. And what that really means is that we're helping them identify gaps in their customer journey, and then we're helping them to solve them either by augmenting their staff or training their staff to be RevOps specialists. Before we go into what is RevOps, the first time I heard it was at, at SaaS.West West Coast. Good point, I go to a conference and learn something new, I, I did. Uh, go nimbly, how long ago did you start? Do you know how big is the team? Where are you based? Uh, give us some numbers. Yes. Yeah, we're based in San Francisco. We're about 44 people right now. Mm-hmm. Um, by the end of December, we'll be doing about 850K a month. So that puts us right around 10 million. We've doubled the revenue so far this year. Uh, and we will next year as well. And we work with primarily enterprise B2B SaaS companies. So the Twilio's of the world, the Zendesk of the world are our customers. Are you the, the profit well for RevOps? Yeah, yeah we're the profit well of RevOps. Uh, I'd like to think that they're also the go nimbly of pricing. So I'm not going yeah. to give Patrick too much, too much credit out there. Good stuff. Really good numbers. In terms of you know, revenue, very impressed with that. You seem to have tapped into something, sort of RevOps, which is, has that category, has that, has that existed before go nimbly, or are you category creators? Well, category definers. So the idea of having a unified operations team which is the fundamental basis of revenue operations, which we can discuss in a second, has been around since around the 80s. This guy named Phil Eisner uh, made it when he worked at Goodyear Tires and he coined the thing called uh, silo syndrome. And since then, uh, lots of different kinds of 
companies have been trying to solve it. But with the use of technology uh, as, as prevalent as it is now, it's actually possible to start to solve it. And so revenue operations is sort of the methodology which pulls a lot of different loose ends together to essentially solve what is a fundamental business problem is, which is the siloing of information, the siloing of processes, which affect your customer at the end of the day. I think many growing businesses appreciate the pain of just processes in general. And I guess, as you say, the, the siloing of it, bringing it together. Were you someone that was feeling that pain where you worked like, you know, previously and so, and kind of had this aha moment and solved that pain for yourself? Yeah, I started my career in um, advertising and consulting and moved to San Francisco and became a VP of product at a couple large enterprise SaaS companies. And while I was a VP of product at those companies, I realized that a lot of those organizations didn't know how to operationalize what they had. So they admit like every company I worked at, um, not just because I was a VP of product, but before, even before me had great product, um, which is a fundamental in Silicon Valley, uh, if you're a SaaS company to build great product. Um, and they sometimes had some revenue people who could actually sell or market to customers, but most of the time they were lacking fundamental scalable processes. And so they were always, you know, uh, working against themselves, right? They were not putting in things into best practice. They were not scaling the organization the way they need to. Now, when we talk about scale, some people are nuts about it. And, you know, they want to build LinkedIn when you're a 10 person company. That's not necessary. Scale needs to be at inflection point. And so revenue operations has a, a couple of elements there that we've, that we've worked with our customers to define that allow you to scale for the appropriate inflection point. Could they arguably, and I guess some companies do, but they kind of figure out, yeah, in order to scale, we need some processes, right? And all these processes and they, they need to scale. So why would they necessarily like bring in somebody like GoNimbly to do this for them and then oh, say, okay, well, we're going to get a business operations manager or somebody internally to, to, to do this? Yeah. I mean, I personally look at there's two sides of a, of a business. There is the product side of your business, which is your engineers, your product managers, and your biz ops people. They really care about margin and growth. Those are the kind of primary drivers they have. And the side that I focus on at GoNimbly is the revenue side. So the revenue team is made up of all of your frontline actors, your sales people, your email marketers, your customer success person that's on the phone, anyone that touches the customer. And then the other side of that uh, paradigm is the operator themselves, the revenue operator, right? Uh, sometimes used to be called sales ops, marketing ops, customer success operations, whatever you want to call them. Um, and in reality, most teams uh, don't have the necessary skill sets in order to solve problems holistically at the customer level. So you bring Go Nimbly in because we've been building these revenue operation uh, teams for the last three years and we, we've kind of perfected a model. So just to give you a little bit of background on operations in general. So general operations that most companies have, which is called siloed or legacy operations, is about a 10% efficiency gain to your business. So what that means is if you're a $10 million business, you're going to basically, by having an operation team, get 10% more off of that. That's just how it works. That's, that's standard operations. Revenue operations can get you up to 36% more. And so we often say revenue operations is that 26% between the 10 and the 36. And how we do that is we actually, revenue operations requires a new organizational um, layer, which is basically unsiloing all of your operators into a unified team. It requires a generalist skill set. So you have to look at your team and say, hey, do we have people who, uh, who know strategy, tools, enablement, and, align, uh, and uh, insights? And is that about equal across organizations so we can solve business problems as they arise? And the third part is using something that we've coined 
um, called the 3DC, which is an analytics way of looking at pipeline to identify gaps in your customer journey and then prioritize that onto a operational roadmap. And Go Nimbly is kind of one of the pioneers of the idea of an operational roadmap because I come from product and because you know you really you need that in order to be able to hit your business objectives. For a B2B SaaS company, when is the right time that they should start thinking about uh, you know revenue ops? When when does it when when should you start thinking about it? You know when does it really come uh, become necessary? Yeah, I get it's a lot. I, I, Go Nimbly does primarily work with enterprise companies, so there's usually large teams already put in place, and and that's the wrong time to start thinking about revenue operations. Honestly, these companies have to go through what we call a transformation. Um, my question back to when I'm doing, you know, uh, smaller sort of panels and, and, and the analysis question is, when do you need to start operating a business? Because that's the time you need a revenue operator, right? Um, and so I would say day one is when you're operating a business, it doesn't, you have to right away. So if you have a founder who's an operator, uh, you'll be in good hands. You don't need a special revenue operations person. You can follow those three, uh, three steps that I just mentioned. And from day one, organize your team that way and play that role as best you can. Um, you know, I, if you had a great founding team, it would look like you have an operator, you have someone who can sell, you know, or, or market your product, and then you have someone who can build it. So th those are the three fundamentals. Um, and depending on what your, you know, your founding team looks like, uh, then go out and find the person that you don't have in, in, in that paradigm. You mentioned that uh, goal to align the organization around the customer. What are some of the practices that you've implemented in that regard, like, you know, with your clients that you've seen that works really well? So we don't believe in like demand waterfall, even when you have a, a pretty uh, strong velocity based business. Um, so we look at, we primarily only use the bow tie and each customer has a different bow tie process, but it's basically moving someone from never heard of you to evangelist of your organization. Um, and what we then do is we take and analyze your sales pipeline, usually using Salesforce, most customers have Salesforce. Um, we use Salesforce and we use the sales pipeline because it's usually the most mature part of any organization. Most sales teams operate the same way. They have stages. They move someone through a pipeline. Um, those stages are roughly the same in SaaS. It's do a demo, you know, qualify, do a demo, handle the objections, and then close the deal is the simplest version of that. And we actually pull all that data down and take snapshots of it uh, and use a method called 3BC, which is... Um, volume, value, velocity, and conversion. And we measure all four of those from stage to stage. And then we compare you to the industry and go nimbly customers. And we can find where you have those gaps because you'll see gaps that are below average, which tells us there's a customer gap there. You know, we also do rep rides. We also talk to your customer, but ultimately the data is kind of the fine point there because um, sometimes people are so used to either bad service that customers don't pick up where the gap is. They just lose, you just lose credibility and they're used to it. A good place of this is BDR to AE handoff. People are just used to it in B2B, but it's still a shitty experience, right? Um, so, or you, you know, your reps might think everything is great because you have some 22 year old that's only worked at that organization out of college and they think that's just how it's done. So when we use this 3BC method, we can actually see the areas that you're read in and we'll recommend operational projects that are going to fix those areas. And then we'll measure that over time to see if we're picking up um, operational success there. Right. And that's really how you do it. And if you think about it, you can tell everything from the pipeline. So if you have, uh, say, conversion issues or velocity issues in stage one, 
you're going to usually, that's usually going to be a marketing operation attribution type issue. If you're going to have stuff at the very end, um, you're going to see something like, okay, you're going to have a sales ops uh, issue around, or maybe a, a, a sales operations to finance issue because you can't close deals because of too much redlining, right? So whatever it is, you're going to be able to find it in that pipeline. And that makes it an incredible tool for looking at your entire revenue business and finding where to impact the business, not necessarily always listening to the projects people want to do, because you find that most operators do projects that they've done in the past or that they've heard that they need to do. So like bringing a piece of technology on is not necessarily always the right solution. Sometimes it's fundamental process work. Sometimes it's analytics work. Sometimes it's just enabling your people so that you can get better numbers out of them. And that's what GoNimbly says that we focus on things that are most impactful to revenue. That's the methodology that we use. And we actually think that every operator in the country should be using this methodology because it actually works. Just on that, I mean, in terms of, I guess, the, the knowledge and experience that you guys have, are you creating content around, uh, you know, sort of revenue operations and sharing these frameworks and systems, et cetera, uh, to the public? Is it, is it something that you guys provide? Yeah, we, we have two things. We have this thing called an ROI community, which is revenue uh, influencers. And you can join that if you already kind of believe in revenue operations and, and that meets here in San Francisco. But there's also a newsletter that goes out with a, a information. And then on our blog, we have the Painless Business Stack, which is about how to operate companies more successfully. You know, one thing that I'm really passionate about is taking this really under uh, appreciated class, which is the operator and elevating them to where marketers are. If you remember marketers, you know, even 10 years ago, people didn't know if their money was being spent correctly. And now marketers have more power than ever because of things like attribution. They can show, hey, if we do this, we actually get this result. And that attribution is mostly correlation. It's not always causation, but it's good enough in order to keep justifying large budgets and pushing the company. I think that operators influence so much revenue but never get that credibility and never can build out the teams that would actually make these companies successful. So there's a huge untapped revenue source here for CEOs to really operationalize and rev, rev, you know, make their operators revenue, revenue facing. So I would say give your operations team a, a number, right? And tell them, hey, your job is to generate this much because you of the work you're doing. And they'll surprise you and they'll be able to hit it. Um, and this is something that's really, really exciting. That's you know, happening in, in operations. You, you, you also mentioned, uh, I think it's SAS at West Coast, the importance of giving employees built-in professional development time. Um, yeah. do, do you create individual development plans? And what are your suggestions for other founders who may want to build that into their organizations? Yeah, I think it's about creating the room for it. So the, the, the primary things that GoNimbly does, which is rare, for, you know, a lot of our, our we're a service-based company, we're in tech enabled. So we use technology to make sure we're uh, delivering our solutions. But at the end of the day, there's still revenue consultants uh, out there. Um, and what we found is that we do a thing called the betterment culture. So every day, everyone has one hour to contribute to uh, what, you know, something that they're working on, a big project that they, they want to get done. This is not like Google's because it's not supposed to be a side project. It's supposed to be related to operations, but it's in an area where you're not already an expert. So every one of our consultants come to us with a background of sales ops, marketing ops, customer success ops, something, something like that, but they've seen firsthand. That's not enough because they've been on teams that have failed, right? And so they want to become generalists and they actually want to work at a revenue level, right? They want to work above the teams, above the silos. 
Um, and so we'll allow someone who has, say, a sales ops background to spend more time in marketing operations systems or learn best practices and marketing ops. And so they'll spend their hour every day doing that. We also have something called Go Nimbly Friday, which is a lecture series that someone on the team runs every Friday, which is a two-hour series, which is a group sort of a classroom-like setting to learn in. And people can register for that and, and join those sessions. And I think that's really, really important. Every Everyone here on the leadership level is really committed to uh, creating great generalists. And that's a really important aspect. And then the last part of it is that we do weekly retrospectives. So we start the week with something called On Deck, where we talk about something that we want the team to know. These are usually soft skills or consultative skills, which I think every operator needs to have because you, you don't own the business units that you're collaborating with, right? So you need to have consultative skills. It's necessary. And then on Fridays, we have what we call Winners Change, which is a retrospective. And we say, hey, what went well this week? What did we learn? And what are we going to change to our practice? So it's about becoming very intentional about the learning process. Um, and we found through that that we can create great generalists. The other recommendation I have to, to say like a VP of operations is if you have the ability and you have people with a specific background and you can join them in a unified team, have the person with the background be the solution architect, but don't have them do the actual hands-on work, have them give that to someone else on the team. And that's a very like fast way to create a very healthy generalist team, right? Because you'll have one person who knows it deeply, another person who knows it uh, at the action level, at the you know day-to-day -day level, because they actually implemented it. And over time, you'll build a very robust team. Are you, are you seeing, I, I, I guess, like um, when customer success management uh, or customer success you know, first uh, came to light or, or was coined, uh, now we've kind of this, this whole industry of customer success professionals has, uh, um, you know, been created, right? Thanks to the likes of companies like Gainsight and so on. And like with revenue ops, are you seeing something similar that like people are now like uh, moving into a revenue ops kind of career and learning about revenue ops and uh, so are, are there on LinkedIn uh, loads of revenue ops people, um, uh, like, I, I guess, you know, building their their careers? Yeah, there's, um, there's been about $200 million in investment that have gone into companies that call themselves revenue operation companies. Um, these are typical SaaS uh, companies who, you know, a year ago were calling their product something different, and now they are picking up on revenue operations. So there's definitely a marketing uh, aspect to it right now. And I think that's creating a lot of noise that makes it kind of confusing of what this is about. Is it, you know, is it a piece of software? Is it a methodology? Is it a team? So that's a sign that there is a real thing here. The second sign is that CRO title is huge. I think it grew by 3000%. Um, and so that's a real thing. And, and the thing that makes a CRO successful is an operational background. If they're just the VP of sales that gets, it becomes a CRO, you're not, you don't actually have a CRO, you just have a head of sales. Um, and then ultimately, you're seeing companies hire manager of operations, um, revenue operations, meaning that you manage the technology stack and the, and, the, and the strategy of that technology on top of the business. I would like to see those teams continue to, to evolve and people are interested in it. It's just taking a little bit of time because, you know, one of the fundamental things is becoming a unified operations team. So, you know, if you're pager duty, you already have a lot of silos in place. And it's very hard to move to revenue operations. So you might hire a small subset of team whose job it is, is to go cross-functional as a first step. So you're seeing some of these organizations make small first steps into what will eventually be a transformational process for them. 
So coming back to, uh, as, as we get to the end of the podcast, but really, uh, I guess, to, to, to you as an individual, uh, that you, you know, your, your CEO uh, and co-founder of GoNimbly, you, you know, scaled to 10 million in revenue and 44 people in a, uh, you know, in a short space of time. How has the, the journey for you kind of like been to date, um, you, you know, uh, as an entrepreneur, you, you know, have you, what have your like learnings been, you, you know, um, as you grow? Obviously, you've got some headline results are, uh, are pretty pretty great. Um, but any kind of like key learnings for you on your journey in growing the business? I think that if I had to do this all over again, I would tell myself that there's something fundamentally um, concerning sometimes when you're hitting all your numbers, but it doesn't feel like you're doing it in the right way. Um, and so I've had a few inflection points that go nimbly where our numbers are saying that we're doing great, but I am not clear if we're building to the vision that I have. And I think this is a problem that lots of CEOs have, which is, you know, you have your team and they live in the context of today and they're trying to accomplish what's today. And you're trying to build to a, you know, a three-year, five-year plan if you're lucky. But that requires sort of a, a distance from the day-to-day. And I would say that bringing your leadership team into someplace in between there is a mistake that I uh, I didn't do quicker, quickly enough, right? I, I kind of let my leaders just focus on the day-to-day. And that created a lot of distance and a little bit of loneliness, um, to be honest, that when I talk to other CEOs, they also feel. Um, and I think that it's really important that you build a strong you know, leadership team who are also helping you achieve your vision and not just manage the day-to-day. Um, and so if I had to go over and do it again, it would be like, um, share your vision, share, if, if you have you know, a 12th floor vision, uh, share the seventh floor with your leadership team when they're on the third floor so they can start building there. Um, and I think that's the, the best advice I could give to anyone. And, and it's kept me sane. Otherwise, I think, I, I think it wouldn't be possible to, to do this job. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and beyond sharing the vision to keep you sane, is there anything outside of work that you do that, uh, that helps you uh, get through it? Uh, yeah, well, you know, we're really crazy passionate here about what we call the betterment culture, which I explained in this, but I also am a very big believer in creativity. So, you know, I play music in a band, I, I do art, um, I do comedy, I do stand up, I do whatever I can because I find that the best ideas happen for the other stuff when you're, when you're not focused on it. Uh, when you are in the middle of, say, doing like a stand up set, and you have the idea that's going to help your business the next day. That's kind of what I think of as work-life balance. I don't think of about, about it anymore as, you know, you know, work, family, relaxation. I think about it as how can everything I'm doing build on top of it? So even if I'm spending time with my daughter, which I do, and I do it very in an unplugged way, the way that she thinks, she's only four, but the way she thinks helps me become more creative and, and expand how, like, how is she learning? How does she pick up all this stuff? And that's actually helped me build, you know, onboarding programs for RevOps people because this is a brand new thing. And part of it is um, breaking down what they think they know, right? And and telling them to ignore sort of some of this information that they've already been taught. So I, I think it's been very useful to change my perspective on work-life balance into do things that and then find how they're connected to what you what you really want to accomplish. 
Okay, great stuff. Well, well Jason Reichel, uh, CEO and co-founder of GoNimby, it's been a pleasure to uh, catch up with you and, and talk with you on, on the SaaS Revolution show. So thanks so much for, for giving us your, your time today and sharing your lessons uh, around RevOps. Hey, thank you for everything you do for SaaS. I really appreciate that. No, thanks, Jason. Uh, well, good speaking to you and uh, we'll see you sometime in 2020. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and learned about revenue ops from Jason Michael, CEO and co-founder of GoNimbly. Uh, Jason won't be joining us in Australia, although he spoke at SaaS West Coast recently, uh, but we do have uh, many other great speakers like Jason uh, that will be sharing similar type of content around how to build, grow, scale your SaaS business. So if you want to join us in Sydney uh, for SaaS Australasia on the 3rd and the 4th of December, uh, then go to sasdot.com forward slash Australasia and book your tickets today.